Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the podcast. You know, I hope your week is treating you well. You know, I hope you're feeling free and relaxed because I am not (laughs) feeling... I'm feeling like my responsibilities have a chokehold on me right now. And this is not a new sensation for me. Like I'm a seven. I get to this place often. Just having responsibilities feels like having responsibilities, having a chokehold over me. And right now, the thing that is causing me distress is the care that I have to give to my plants. My plants. I have to whisper that because they might hear me and I don't want to hurt their feelings, but they are suffocating me. Okay. I, in 2020, thought it would be so fun to buy a ton of plants and fill our house with plants and just have a jungle. And I made this like lovely mint garden in our kitchen window this year. And all of that feels so fun when you're doing it. And then now... I have to maintain it less fun. That is less fun. Like every Saturday, I am like just caregiving all day. Not my happy place. (laughs) Not where I want to be. So yeah, it's causing me some distress. And honestly, here's the truth. When my plants are doing well, I don't feel this way. But I've repotted some recently and they're not thriving. And It's causing a little bit of shame, which is an interesting point because that's what we're talking about today. It's making me feel like I'm a bad pant plant. plant. (laughs) I can't even say it. It's making me feel like I'm a bad plant parent, which isn't helping me to feel motivated to take care of them. And I know that that's not the right way to handle the situation, but it's just the truth. That's what's happening for me. And I'm also preparing for a big move, right? We're going to be gone for like eight weeks out of the summer. And I I mean, I just, I have to come up with a plan for them. I don't know if they're coming with us. I don't know. I'm going to come back a few times. So maybe I can just time my trips home to match my plants needs. Ah, See, this is what's happening. I'm feeling very um, restricted. But that's okay. We'll figure it out. I'll probably love them tomorrow. But let's get into today's topic, which is shame and pleasure, particularly the way purity culture and diet culture contribute to the internal narratives that keep us in states of shame for experiencing pleasure. So first, let's just talk about what shame is and how it impacts our life. So shame is that intense, painful feeling of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging, which is different than guilt, right? According to Brene Brown, guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, 
I am bad. And I think this is an important distinction to make because shame doesn't come from doing something out of integrity, right? So we all are gonna make mistakes. We're all gonna do things that don't line up with our values. And guilt is a really healthy emotion, right? It's important to say, whoa, that isn't who I want to be. I can receive feedback. I can communicate what I actually intend to do. I can learn from my mistakes and do better next time. That is a healthy experience. Shame, when we receive feedback, actually tends to reject that feedback. It, it causes harm in our relationships because if I take on any more guilt and shame, I will feel so bad about myself that I can't live with it. And so then instead of receiving feedback from a healthy place of like, oh, right, I didn't do what I intended to do. I wish I had done something different. Here's how I'll do better next time. That's kind of how we can engage with guilt versus if I accept that this is true, then I am dirty, bad, or wrong, right? So I think we all see this when we see people get called out on social media. We, you know, the two different apologies that you receive, some apologies are like, I had no idea that this was a thing. I now know, let me do better. Here's what I've learned. Here's how I'm changing. And you're like, okay, that's a genuine apology because it's coming from a place of not shame, but guilt. It's coming from a place of, I don't want to be doing bad things. I want to be doing good things, right? And so I can see that this was something that I didn't mean to do. This is something that I don't want to do, or maybe I did intend to do it and it was a huge mistake. Like having that level of separation from your actions allows you to be a better apologizer versus the people who go, I'm not a bad person. I am not racist, homophobic. I'm not any of these things, even though I did directly racist, homophobic things, I refuse to take that title on because they feel like that's what they're doing, right? They're feeling shame and therefore they're trying to deflect from actually owning their responsibility. We've experienced, we've all experienced this in our personal lives and our, you know, in the social media world where people, you know, you, and in our own hearts, right? Where it's like, when I'm feeling like I did something out of integrity, but I know in my heart that I'm a good person, I'm better in my relationships, I'm kinder to myself, I have healthier ways of approaching and responding to that versus if I'm holding on to it as like, I am bad, I am wrong, I am dirty, something's wrong with me, and anything bad said over me is adding to that negative character so I can only accept so much and I'm already so hard on myself that it's really hard to have you know healthy, loving relationships where you can take honest feedback. So obviously, shame can have a number of negative effects on our lives. It can make you feel isolated and alone, right? Like, I am bad. I am wrong. I'm the only one who's like this. It can lead to self-destructive behaviors like substance abuse, eating disorders, self-harm. It can cause, to cause you to avoid relationships and intimacy. If you feel like you're never good enough, you never can be good enough, you'll avoid people who maybe see you really intimately or um, who are offering you feedback to help you to grow or people just, you know, the fear of being seen by people because what if they see too much of you because you deep down believe there's something wrong with you. It can impact your mental health, leading to depression, anxiety, low self-esteem. It can interfere with your work and your school performance. It can make it difficult to trust others. 
It can cause you to have just a general negative view of yourself. Shame is obviously such a powerful emotion that it it has such significant impacts on our behavior, truly making us feel like we are not good enough and it can lead to withdrawing from others and avoiding taking risks. Now, here's the crazy thing. Shame in and of itself can make it difficult to change your behavior, even if you know that it's something that you need. There's a growing body of research that suggests that shame can prevent behavior change. So for example, one study found that people who felt ashamed about their weight were less likely to lose weight than those who did not feel ashamed. Another study found that people who felt ashamed about their sexual behavior were less likely to use condoms. There are a number of reasons why shame can prevent behavior change. First, shame can make us feel like we are not good enough, and this can lead to a lack of self-efficacy or even self-sabotaging behaviors. When we don't believe that we are capable of change, we are much less likely to try. Second, shame can make us feel like we are not worthy of love and support. And this can lead us to withdraw from everyone else around us, right? When we, when we don't have the support of others, it can be really difficult to change our behavior. We need our communities, we need people around us to make behavior change. And finally, shame can make us feel like we are all alone, and this can lead us to give up on trying to change. Like, what's the point? I'm on my own anyway. And honestly, I have met very few people in my life who genuinely feel like they deserve to feel shame or believe that others are deserving of shame. Yet the average person has struggled with shame or experienced being shamed. So why is that? In my opinion, there are two large contributing factors to the mass sense of shame that our society experiences. And they're what I am calling the two horsemen of the shame apocalypse: diet culture and purity culture. Two totally different worldviews that tell us not to trust the natural instincts of our bodies. Instead, to restrict, reject, and feel shame for our biology. So let's start with diet culture, my fave. (laughs) Diet culture is a system of beliefs that promotes weight loss and thinness as the ultimate goal of health and well-being. It is a pervasive force in our society, and it can have a negative impact on our physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's get into what that looks like. So it's perpetuated by the media, the diet industry, and often our family system's beliefs about what it means to be healthy and beautiful. So here are some ways that diet culture creates shame in individuals. First, it promotes the idea that there is one ideal body type. Diet culture tells us there is one right way to look and that anyone who doesn't fit that mold is somehow flawed. And this can lead to feelings of shame and adequacy, especially for people who don't naturally conform to the thin ideal. Second, it shames people for eating certain foods. Diet culture tells us that certain foods are good and others are bad, and that eating the bad foods will make us fat and unhealthy. And this can lead to feelings of shame and guilt around food, I mean, just the very act of eating, and can make it difficult to enjoy the process of eating. Third, it promotes the idea that weight loss is the key to happiness and success. We've all heard the phrase, I'll be happy when I lose 100 pounds, I'll be happy when I lose 50 pounds, or... Uh, you know, I feel this pressure to lose 20 pounds before the wedding, whatever it is, there's this pressure to put off our happiness until we meet a certain weight goal. Diet culture tells us that if we just lose weight, we'll be happy, successful, and loved. 
this can lead to feelings of shame and inadequacy, especially for people who are struggling with their weight in the sense that like, it's my fault that I am not loved, happy, or successful. It makes us feel like we are not good enough. Diet culture tells us that we are not good enough the way that we are and that we need to change in order to be worthy of love and acceptance. Obviously, this leads to feelings of shame, worthlessness, and self-loathing, right? Like this whole sense of like everything about me is wrong. I'm not good enough. It's everywhere and it's wrong. Now, hopefully it's obvious by now that diet culture is a lie. If you haven't heard already, I have a podcast completely on health at every size. And I think that can be really supportive to the conversation we're having today. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely go check that one out. But I just want to iterate here that there is no right way to look. And weight loss is not the key to happiness and success or even health. You are worthy of love and acceptance no matter what size or shape your body is. But that doesn't keep us from the experiencing the lasting effects of shame trained into us by diet culture. So what are some symptoms or signs that you have been indoctrinated into diet culture thinking and may not even be aware of it? First, you feel consistent pressure to control what you eat. Second, you find yourself thinking negatively about your body or the bodies of others. Third, you have an idea of what the perfect body is and feel pressure to have or maintain that body. For some part of you thinks life would be easier if you were a certain size or you believe other people are overweight because they are lazy or lack self-control. All of these are clear and distinct messages sent to us by daddy diet industry who is taking our shame straight to the bank. Like, let me be more clear. The diet culture industry is profiting off of your self-hatred and fear of not being worthy of love. It's written into movie scripts. It's been trained into our mothers to the point that it's attacked us in our own homes. And not only are they profiting off your self-hatred, but also they are selling you disease dressed as health. Now, this is a direct quote from the National Library of Medicine. Dieting is a common method for weight control and may carry more risks to health than benefits. Studies have shown that food restriction is a poor mechanism for weight loss and may instead contribute to weight gain. Dieting may also lead to the development of eating disorders, which can be much more deleterious to health than obesity. While the physical consequences are not as extreme, studies have shown credibility in the idea that dieting could lead to adverse outcomes in certain populations. If dieting does not help patients lose weight and leads to psychological and physical adverse effects, then the medical community should review it as a recommendation to attain better health. Physicians should emphasize that overall healthy habits in patients without focusing on weight loss, regardless of these findings, The fact remains that dieting clearly has not led to a solution to the epidemic. More studies should be done focusing on the health risks of dieting, especially in the obese who are encouraged to diet for quote-unquote health reasons. Now, I have infinite amounts of things to say about diet culture. And again, go check out that other episode where I talk about health at every size. But let's get into our second horseman of the shamepocalypse, purity culture. So purity culture teaches that sexual activity outside of marriage is sinful and harmful. It emphasizes the importance of modesty and self-control and focuses on restricting what people are allowed to do with their bodies. 
Now, obviously, purity culture can contribute to shame in a number of ways. First, it can teach people that their bodies are inherently sinful or shameful. So your very physical form, your very being is bad, wrong, or dirty. Second, it can create a sense of fear and anxiety around sex. And third, it can lead to feelings of shame if someone does engage in sexual activity before marriage. Now, the effects of purity culture can be long-lasting, right? People, those of us who have been raised in purity culture, may struggle with body image issues, sexual dysfunction, and difficulty forming healthy relationships. They may be more likely to experience depression, anxiety, and low self-esteem. It's also important that I note here for you that your body is not inherently sinful or shameful. Sex is an extremely normal and healthy part of life, and there is nothing wrong with enjoying it. So how can we tell if we are dealing with the lingering effects of purity culture? First, you may feel shame or guilt around your body or sexuality or the very nature of being a sexual being. Two, you may have difficulty trusting yourself or your partner. Three, you may engage in more risky sexual behaviors. Four, you may have difficulty forming healthy relationships for fear of being dirty, bad, or wrong. And five, you may struggle with body image issues. So what's interesting to me about both purity culture and diet culture are the themes of rejecting the natural impulses of the body to eat and to procreate. Two things that are not only not bad, but are actively necessary to sustain life. We have to eat to survive. We have to procreate for our species to survive. And I think it comes from a misguided fear of losing control, right? There are certain harmful things that can happen in both what we eat and how we engage in sexuality, right? Our bodies require nutrients, movement, hydration, and balance. But lowering your calories at all costs isn't the same as eat a balanced diet and move your body often. In fact, Personally, I do those things more now that I'm not dieting. Dieting taught me to just eat as little as possible. Learning to listen to and trust my body taught me to nourish myself and care for myself. And the same thing with purity culture, right? There are STIs, unplanned pregnancies, relational issues that can arise from risky sexual behaviors. But abstaining from all sexual behavior until marriage don't trust your body, your body is bad and wrong, is not the same as here is how to engage in sex in healthy, consensual, and respectful ways. This desire to control and this pressure to not trust our bodies and to see our body's desires as inherently bad leads to not only riskier and less healthy behaviors, but also causes a general fear of pleasure, which is interesting because have you ever read the, the actual definition of pleasure? It says a feeling of happy, satisfaction, and enjoyment. That's it. Happiness, satisfaction, and enjoyment. This is so different than how this word used to feel to me, right? The very concept of pleasure used to feel like it was inherently dirty, bad, or wrong. But let's talk about the benefits of pleasure. Experiencing pleasure improves your mood right? Pleasure releases dopamine, which is a literal neurotransmitter that makes you feel good, helping you to improve your mood, make you feel more positive and optimistic. It increases motivation, right? When we feel good, we're more likely to be productive and to take on new challenges. It boosts creativity, 
When we're in a good mood, we're more likely to come up with new ideas, be more productive. It reduces stress and anxiety. When we are stressed, our bodies release cortisol, a hormone that can have negative effects on our health. Pleasure can help to reduce cortisol levels and to improve our overall well-being, which is major. It strengthens your relationships. Pleasure can actually enhance your relationships. When we share pleasurable experiences with others, it creates a sense of connection and intimacy, helping to improve our relationships and to make us feel more connected to the people around us. And it boosts the immune system. Pleasure can help to boost your immunity by increasing the production of white blood cells, and this can help to protect you from getting sick. It reduces pain through endorphins, which are natural pain relievers. It improves sleep, and it increases your lifespan. Studies have shown that people who experience more pleasure tend to live longer. So how is it that the two of the most prominent cultures in our society forming the way that we view ourselves and others is so focused on shame, which has proven to harm your physical and mental health and rejects pleasure, which so clearly offers incredible benefits to your health. There are so many different ways that people have come up with and reasons that people have come up with why these institutions desire to have us controlled potentially racism, right? There's so much about fat phobia that is rooted in white supremacy. Profits, right? These industries make churches are making bank friends and they don't even pay taxes on it. These pastors are living in million dollar homes and they are not paying taxes. The diet industry is making so much money. These and you know, it, it goes back to money, right? Like we live in a capitalistic society and these people are the ones who are winning all at the cost of our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. So how do we move through these feelings of shame? Shame is a complex emotion, right? It's difficult to release it. It's difficult to move through it. I understand that. I'm not saying like, Here's, let's wave the magic wand and we're just going to feel better. So I just want to be clear, it's complex. And it's helpful to remember that everyone experiences it. It's a normal human emotion. You are not the only one. Don't feel shame for feeling shame. So here are some tips for releasing it. First, acknowledge your shame, right? The first step is to releasing it is to acknowledge that you are feeling it. Don't try to suppress your feelings or pretend that they don't exist. It thrives in the dark. So talk to someone you trust, such as a friend, family member, therapist. Talk about your feelings so that you can process them and start to truly heal. You cannot, if you've ever experienced the moment of telling someone something that you feel ashamed about and them just looking at you like, that's what you're worried about. Like that is not that big of a deal. I've done that. That's not strange. The relief in that is incredible. And I want everyone to feel it. So talk to someone you trust, challenge your negative thoughts, right? Comes with so many negative thoughts about yourself. And I want you to challenge them. Don't just let them tell you the story of who you are. Remind yourself that you are not alone, that you are not inherently bad, that you are not inherently sinful, that you are not dirty, wrong, or bad. Everyone makes mistakes and move, try to like push it out of you so it's like I did a thing, not I am a thing. 
And in that, practice self-compassion. Be kind to yourself. Forgive yourself for those mistakes because we all make them. It's very normal. And learn from that mistake and move on. Focus on your strengths, right? We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. The Enneagram shows us that so clearly. Often the other side of our strength is our weakness. The other side of our weakness is our strength. So remind yourself that you are a valuable person, that yes, you have this like proclivity to maybe do this one thing, but also you have this strength that comes on the other side of that. For example, as a seven, I tend to talk about myself a lot <laughs> and sometimes I'll feel really guilty for that. And after I leave a conversation, I'll be like, oh, you should have asked more questions. And I have, I can check that and say, okay, yes, I do next time. I'll learn from this, right? I'll learn from this. I'll ask more questions next time, but you've lived a really rich, fulfilling life. And that's part, you have all these stories to tell because you feel free to have all these experiences. And it's kind of like the other side of the coin from just like my weakness and my strength are the same. And then finally, you know, give yourself time. It takes time to heal from shame. Be patient with yourself. You're not going to be better overnight and that's okay. It's going to be a, probably something you're in relationship to for the rest of your life. Also okay. Um, I'm going to throw in a little quote here from Brene Brown, our shame queen. <laughs> um, she says, we desperately don't want to experience shame and we're not willing to talk about it. Yet the only way to resolve shame is to talk about it. Maybe we're afraid of topics like love and shame, most of us like safety, certainty, and clarity. Shame and love are grounded in vulnerability and tenderness. If you put shame in a Petri dish, it needs three ingredients to grow exponentially. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. If you put the same amount of shame in the Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. So finally, in your journey to releasing shame, I just want to remind you that it's important and supportive to seek professional help. A therapist is there to help you understand your shame and to develop healthy coping mechanisms. So if you aren't sure that you can afford therapy, check out services like BetterHelp, which offer discounted rates, or OpenPath.com, which offers a directory of sliding scale therapists. So finally, you know, we've talked about shame, we've talked about diet culture, purity culture, we've talked about moving through shame, but our final piece of this puzzle is how do we make time to experience more pleasure? So I'm just going to give you a little like rundown of some ideas of how to experience more pleasure in your life so that we can push pleasure forward. Because as a reminder, pleasure has so many benefits to your life. That it, it is not the thing to be afraid of, right? It offers you energy. It offers you motivation. It offers you creativity. It offers you healthier relationships. It offers you better sleep. It offers you better immunity. It offers you a longer life. So pleasure is not your enemy. It is your friend. So how can we experience more of it? Number one, pay attention to your senses. Take time to notice sights, sounds, smells, tastes, and textures of your environment and do it in a positive light. So Right now, I see the rain dropping from the sky into the puddles on my sidewalk, and I'm reminded of the magical, cyclical relationship of life and nature and how the water from the earth gets taken to the sky and comes back down to the earth. That's completely different than like looking outside and being like, oh, it's raining. 
I see that it's raining and that ruins my day, right? That's a completely different energy. So pay attention to your senses. Two, do things that you enjoy. <laughs> make time for activities that make you feel happy and relaxed, even if it's just an hour a week. I don't know how much time you have. I'd love for it to be an hour a day, you know? Give yourself time to be in activities that you enjoy. Three, spend time with loved ones. Give yourself time to be around people who make you feel good, who you love. Quality time with people you care about is so helpful. Give yourself permission to relax. Don't feel guilty about taking time for yourself. I know it's easier said than done, but it's always worth it because when you take that pressure off, you can do anything in that time that will make you feel good. And don't forget, pleasure saves your life. It elongates your life. So it is more important than restricting, controlling, and commanding yourself. Learn to say no, right? Don't overextend yourself. Don't be afraid to say no to things that you don't want to do. Listen to your body. Eat the foods that your body enjoys, that it finds nourishing. Get plenty of sleep. Move your body in ways that are fun and enjoyable and nourishing for you. Practice gratitude. Take time to appreciate the good things in your life. If gratitude is a little formal for your taste, as it is for mine, I like to do just like a 10 good things list. What are 10 good things I can think of in my life right now? Coffee, my little lamp on my desk, my bird feeder. It doesn't have to be so deep, right? I think when I think of gratitude, I often go like, I have a roof over my head. I have running water. But for whatever reason, it's harder for my system to digest that because it feels like I'm, I'm actually operating out of a place of guilt. I'm operating from a place of I have things that other people don't have. And I feel, sh I feel more shame and guilt in the act of doing gratitude versus if I just go like, what are some good things? What are some things I can appreciate right now? And then be present. Focus on the here and now. Um, you know, I think a lot of us, especially our withdrawing types, get lost in the past. Our assertive types get lost in the future. But if you can be in the moment, be in the present moment, the here and now, it's a lot easier to experience pleasure from that place. And then finally, this is the biggest one for me, the one that I continue to learn the lesson of, and that is to let go of expectation. Because don't Putting pressure on yourself to have a perfect time, the best day, kills it, right? It kills the vibe. We've talked about this on here before. Like my birthday is the freaking worst because I just have so many expectations and they're not even expectations rooted in reality. They're expectations that are just like completely about a vibe like how I expect the vibe to be. And the vibe is that I will not feel a single moment of sadness for the entire day. Not even like a, a blip of sadness will cross my thoughts. That's never happened. I'm actually sadder on my birthday than almost any other day of the year. And so if I enter into it with no expectations or even the expectation to be sad, it takes the pressure off of a perfect day and I'm allowed to just relax and enjoy the moment. So I hope that's enjoyable for you. I hope that you hear me when I say that pleasure saves your life. It literally elongates your life. It is not your enemy. It is your friend. Your body is not your enemy. It is your friend. 
And we're going to end the quote today with one more quote from the Queen of Shame, Brene Brown. She specializes in research around shame and vulnerability. And it's simply this. What we don't need in the midst of struggle is shame for being human. As always, my friends, it is an absolute pleasure to create this content for you. And I will see you Friday for the next one. Mm-hmm.